we've got a couple questions coming in the chat, Jeff. Jose uh, wants to ask, um, do we trade for a cornerback or safety in the offseason? Um, I'm going to say no. I think they're they're already limited in what they can do draft-wise. They've traded their second-round pick for Dwayne Brown, which, by the way, was an incredible trade. Uh, Dwayne Brown had an amazing game yesterday. Um, they gave picks for, I think, Brett Hundley, Luani, the safety, the special teamer. So I think they only have five picks right now. So I just don't see where the ammo is. Yeah. So I was looking today. The free agency works out very well for Seattle. They got a ton of cap room. Safety has some guys. And corner, I think they like what I think they're gonna develop these guys more. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I think that I'll I'll say they will trade for that just because Schneider always seems to trade, you know, in training camp for some scrub, you know, safety or or cornerback off someone else's roster, but I'm not expecting it to be a big move in the offseason. Um, Cy, and uh, I'm going with my my shortening of pronunciation here. Um, he wants to know, do you think Russ will take a moderate pay uh, cut a la Brady to, to keep the Seahawks winning? I'll go first. I don't. Um, Russell, you know, is he wants to be – I think he wants to be the best quarterback that ever played. And I think he wants to be paid like the best quarterback that's ever played. Um, I think he's trying to make as much money as he can. And I, I can't really blame him for it. I don't see any way that happens. Brady's Brady's such a unique situation where he's married to one of the richest women in America. I know Russell's wife is doing pretty well as well, but just, just the way that Russell's agent has framed negotiations and Russell's kind of idolized Derek Jeter and, that's kind of the guy, and A-Rod is a close friend of his. And I think Russell wants to maximize his value, the way he markets himself. Brady's so unique, and don't blame the guy. Or don't expect him to take some t- team discount. Guy's a short window to make life-changing money, and he's going to go for it. Yeah, I don't know why he started doing that, but I think it was – I think he might have been 35 or so by the time when he started doing I don't think he was doing it in his early 30s. Um, well, he switched wives, I think, somewhere around there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, do you think it's? I don't know if it's really his wife, but I, that definitely probably yeah. plays a, a role. So, uh, Brent asks, uh, we need an impact D lineman. Who do we get, and can we get someone still this year? So I'll, I'll go out. I'll add to the second one because at first that should be pretty easy. There's no way we're going to get an impact D lineman this year. Trade deadline's passed. Um, even Tom Johnson, who we did sign in the offseason uh, and lost, now has three and a half sacks in his past uh, two games or three games with the, the Vikings. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think they're going to get the biggest, I think, hope for impact D alignment this year is that Deion Jordan actually shows up at some point um, or Jacob Martin keeps developing or something along those lines. Yeah. There's there's no option this year unless Martin or Rasheem Green or Theon Jordan jump off the page. Next year, I think there's a very, very good chance. The free agent class and the draft is loaded at pass rusher, both inside and outside, especially outside for a Leo-type guy. There's Javion Clowney, D. Ford, Brandon Graham, all kinds of guys, guys who are going to hit the market too. So – Seattle's got a ton of room. Pass rushers love playing in that stadium. Agents want to set their guys up where they can make more money, kind of like what Cliff, Cliff Averill and Bennett did. So next year, I'd be surprised if they don't make an impact move. 
Um, Brent saying getting neighbor was huge. Oh wait, I think he was asking the same question again. We answered it. Um, <laughs> uh, this is a tough one. Um, SLC Seahawk wants to know Olivia Munn or Danica Patrick. Olivia Munn. Yeah, that's that's not that tough. She's one of my favorites. Oh man, smart and super sexy. So, um, Sai asks, um, he thinks that Pete should be coach of the year, um, especially when the national perception was Hawks will win four games max. It's a rebuild. Who else even comes close? Uh, good question. I, I I've been I'm much higher on Pete than some of the other guys on our show, but I don't think he's coach of the year. Simply because of those first two games, I think that eliminates him from the consideration. Those two games really hurt the team, and that was single-handedly on Pete. But I think guys like Frank Reich in Indianapolis, uh, Sean Payton, Matt Nagy, and even Andy Reid are better better choices than Pete would be, as good as I think Pete's done. And I think Pete has done a phenomenal coaching job with a team that most people thought I was A-1's max. Yeah, I would go with I would go with Andy Reid. I think he's he's made the most out of of his talent relative to some of the other uh, candidates. Um, you know, McVeigh will get consideration, and I mean, you're not going to get a huge argument with me about that. I mean, he is a ridiculously talented offensive head coach, but I also think that that roster has more talent by a pretty decent margin than any other in the NFL. And I don't think they're that much better. I don't think they're actually the best team in the NFL. I think Sean Payton, you know, is in the mix. Like I think the saints are the best team and um, I'm expecting them to win, but Andy Reed, Andy Reed probably be the guy that, that would, would uh, be my pick. Um, and look, I, I, I've been on both sides of the fence with Pete. Like I was ready for him to be gone, and um, I give him credit for. For I think this season has me proven that. Yeah, again, you do not need to go with convention. You do not need to go with the trend. Don't chase what everyone else is doing. Don't try to be the offensive juggernaut and pass the ball a million times a game. I don't think that's. I don't think you have to do that to win. I think there's multiple ways to win. And I think there's some benefits to the way he's going about this. I, I like the fact that the Seahawks are probably the only team that a lot of these teams face that they're going to have to prepare like crazy for the run game. Like, I think that's an advantage. And, and I think yeah. it's great that those defenses are having to deal with like, Massive people running into them and blocking and doing complicated Mike Solari, you know, run blocking schemes. I think all that's good um, relative to the rest of the league. Yeah. I think one of the most important things a head coach does is culture, just building the culture of a building and just seeing those clips of the locker room after the game. And I think Mike Sando, who's one of the more connected guys in the NFL, was talking. I think he tweeted a couple after the last game about how, like, the Seahawks locker room is. Like way better than it's ever been before. I don't know if you put much stock in that, but it just seems like the culture in the building where everyone's kind of going in the same direction, that's like the number one job of a head coach. And building a culture year after year that players can 
I know it got stale with some of his veteran players, and that was on Pete. And that's why I said 2017 and 16 were probably Pete's worst coaching jobs in Seattle. But I think all the things I look for in a head coach, I think overall Pete's done a pretty good job. But maybe not as good as Andy Reid. Uh, Elliot, I think, might be trolling us, but I'm going to ask it in a different way. He's asking, how do you see the Seahawks losing to the 49ers next week? I think he might be getting at the point that I was saying it's a trap game. So – if the Seahawks were to lose, what do you think would happen? How would that look? Uh, it would look a lot like that Washington game last year where, like, any scenario, like, any, it would take an incredibly weird series of events that are so unpredictable. Kyle Shanahan is a really good offensive play caller. He knows how to attack the scheme. He played coach with Dan Quinn. So he knows kind of the weaknesses in the scheme. And without KJ Wright, there are some big holes in his own defense. But with Nick Mullins and not much of, like unless Kittle goes crazy and dominates, I don't see who the guys are that kind of blow these guys up because the Niners just don't have a lot of playmakers. And it looks like they're kind of giving up. Like the talk around San Francisco is really dreary right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a little early for tail of the tape, but um, if I look at the 49ers, the way I see this is definitely, I mean, you've got Richard Sherman, who knows who knows the Seahawks offense pretty well, even with Schottenheimer. Um, definitely knows Russell Wilson's tendencies and his strengths and weaknesses. Remember what they used to do to Colin Kaepernick, where they would Basically, like they understood he was a one-read quarterback and they'd take away certain reads and Kaepernick just looked like a different player against the Seahawks than he did against everybody else. I think there's a chance that he could work with, with that defense um, to make life difficult and potentially create some turnovers um, against the Seahawks. And that could be – those could always be game changers. Um, and then I think the Seahawks' off defense is really bad. So could uh, – their running back, I never know how to pronounce his name, Brida, Brida, Brieda. Yeah. Uh, uh, pick your, your favorite. But they're a decent running team, and the Seahawks' run defense has been atrocious. Um, so, yeah, there's plenty of opportunity. For, you know, and Kyle Shanahan is still one of the best offensive minds around. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities at all for me. Um, and if I'm looking here really quickly – the Niners' defense, so they're 14th in run defense. That's not great, but um, Carolina was Carolina was 12th. So similar to Carolina. Yeah, Carolina was 12th. So we'll see. Um, I, I, I certainly hope the Seahawks um, come out and play great and uh, win by two touchdowns. But I think, like, it's an eight-and-a-half-point spread. I think that's a little bit optimistic. I'm not assuming it's going to be that easy. Um, all right, man. With that, yeah. let's, uh, let's call it a wrap. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining. This has been a crazy season, and uh, it's definitely part of the why we all love the Seahawks and love sports. So. It's great having you around. It's always fun hanging out. And if you haven't already, sign up at uh, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash hawkblogger. Uh, join the editor group. Um, all the donations go to uh, Benefit Ben's Fund. Helps uh, parents that can't afford uh, really expensive autism treatments. 
and uh, it'd be great to have you. Um, join a private Facebook group, talk with the guys there, and uh, it's all good. So have a great night. Thanks, Jeff, and uh, thanks, everybody else. Go Hawks.